setting, read Acts chapter 7. It's a summary of the Old Testament. But we're going to read these two verses in a moment. But I just want to say, this is the cheesiest sermon title this year. Because those of you who have been around in Christianity for a little bit would be thinking to yourselves, Mark, we have heard so many promises and messages about dreams. So can you turn to your neighbor and say, don't be dream sick. God still has a dream for you. You know, some of us will be a bit old, a bit cynical, a bit wise, a bit tainted, a bit kind of, oh no, here's one of those sermons again, over-promise and under-deliver. Well, hold on. You know what? At this time of year, we walk into the winter, don't we? And the clocks have gone back and we all enjoyed the hour in bed, didn't we? This morning. Come on, admit it. We all enjoyed it. And then you're going to go at five and five o'clock tonight when it starts going dark and go, oh, it's the winter. Can I just say, today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a new season. Today is a new day for you in God. And he wants to breathe into your life dreams. Dreams that he can fashion and shape. So will you not be in winter mode? And even if you are in winter mode, can you receive that today's a new day? So in cheese mode, seeing as we've got Walk Into Your Dream as the cheesiest title that I've written this year, turn to your neighbor and say, let's go with him. Okay? Just walk with me for a bit. You see, you know you've got something in common with God, don't you? God dreams. God has had an eternal dream. Most people who summarize the Bible summarize it something like God's mad at you and the church wants your money. But that's just not true. God has a really important dream. And as well as just dreaming his dream, he brought it about in reality. And God wants to bring your dream into reality as well for your good and his glory. You know, God's dream is the theme throughout the whole Bible. All through the scriptures, God had a dream. Now, when my daughter was going into primary school, Kingsmead Primary School in, in uh, Bicester in Oxfordshire, we walked into the reception and it had over the door, God was lonely, so he made himself a world. That's not actually true. God wasn't lonely. God is self-existent. He doesn't need anyone else. He is completely self-affirming uh, within himself. He knows how to exist. He's not lonely. But you know what? He wants you. He wants you in, the, in his family. He, he, his dream throughout the whole of the ages is a family. If you quickly turned your Bible to Revelation 21, it, very, it says lots of family uh, language. The, 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 the lamb has got, uh, talking about Jesus, has now got his bride with him. That God has moved into the neighborhood and created a home for his family. Have you heard this phrase, blood is thicker than water? Have you ever heard that? I want to say to you something else. Spirit is thicker than blood. 
And when the Holy Spirit chooses you and places you in God's family, that means, and that's a stronger bond than any blood ties and family ties. In fact, I would say that your family in God's family is a stronger family than your own. Of course you need to honor your own family. But God's family is something that Jesus wanted all the way from the foundations of the earth. God's dream was that you could be in his family. Your family today. Look around you. These are the people you're going to spend eternity with. Isn't that exciting? Okay, some of you seem a bit worried about the people around you. You know, maybe you'll get to sit on a comfy chair the other end of heaven. But you are going to spend time with all of us. Isn't it great? Over 60 nations in our church now. And we're becoming a kingdom family in this city. The story in Acts chapter 7 is a summary of the Joseph story. Because as well as God having a dream to have of us as family, I want to teach you a little bit today how you can walk into your individual dream in God. Look at me with the Joseph story. Look at verse 9 with me. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him into, as a slave into Egypt. But God... I am so pleased that God says, but, hold on a minute. I'm so pleased about the but gods in the Bible, aren't you? But God, who was rich in mercy, chose you, who was still living in darkness. But God, but God was with him. And he rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill or the favor of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him the ruler over Egypt and all the palace. The Joseph story is relevant for all of us today. It's what he wants to do for this church and for you. God was showing Joseph that he had a big picture for him. Now look, I want you to, in all your busyness, in perhaps some of your tainted cynicism, to just kind of in the spirit ask the Lord, say, Lord, will you just let me drop all that right now? All the things that haven't worked out for you. Can you just place it on the seat next to you, under the seat, and just try and get it out of your heart? Because God has a big picture for you. And some of you have heard some repeated promptings in your life. You've been prompted. And and that prompting has been overcome by your busyness or overcome by raising kids. Or you've had something that's been on your mind for a while. And you've got to put it through tests and and you've got to put it through some counsel and you've got to put it through the Bible. But nevertheless... There are some things on your heart. We need to follow those things. Even though they need to be tested. Not just the first thing that pops into your mind. But something that sat in your breast for a while. I want to encourage you today. Instead of learning everything that you learn from books and seminars. That maybe the Holy Spirit could speak into your heart some things.
Not that you'd become unteachable and unopened to counsel, but those promptings are important. Amen? There are some dreams that God is placing within you. Those dream promptings are the things that help us to keep going in the tough times or in the dark times. And I often tell myself this, don't doubt in the night what God has told you in the day. What God has told you in the promptings, don't doubt them. You see, if we are to dream, we're at some point got to live out those dreams. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to share with you today how you can walk into your dream and make it real instead of it always being something that's just that wistful thought. Now, here's the first teaching point. In your life, you will come to some transition moments. I spoke about this last week when we were talking about Mary and Judas, and I'll, I'll share with you in a moment about that. But what I mean is the moments where you have some choices that you've got to make. Now, these will be clear crossroads. And I want to say to you today, I know that as I've been preparing this sermon, that God has said to me, Some people are at crossroads. Now, I know that's easy for me to say, but I just really feel prompted to say, you're at a crossroads and this is very important time for you. It's quite interesting that I'm preaching this on a change of season day. Because I want to prophesy over you that some of you are going into a change of season. But please, I'm not prophesying that it's going to be a great long winter (laughs) for you. Transition moments are very important. And how we respond to them is as equally as important. God gives us them to us and he's looking for your response. Remember last week when I spoke to you about a crucial transition moment for Judas. When Mary anointed Jesus, uh, he got anointed in his head and his feet. They were in a place called Bethany. Bethany means the house of pain. Or the house of misery. And they were in the home of Simon the leper. Jesus got anointed at a different place by another woman. And you can read that in Luke's gospel. But here, John and Mark tell us about Mary anointing Jesus' head and his feet. They're in the home of Simon the leper. And you know that leprosy was an awful disease at its extremes. One extreme, it's a skin disease. The other extreme in the scriptures, it was a, it was a disease where your digits fell off and, and parts of your body rotted away. And yet, we find Jesus in, in this house saying, Simon, you're a leper, you're rejected by society, and yet I want to come to your house and eat with you. You see, Jesus' dream was for a family. He, Judas didn't have the same dream as Jesus. Judas' dream was for a strong ministry and lots of money. Jesus' dream was to go out. And you notice that Lazarus was with Jesus. So this great miracle that Lazarus had been raised from the dead He takes Lazarus into the house of Simon Leper and makes Lazarus unclean, all of his disciples unclean, all of the people who went there were unclean. You see, miracles and great miracles aren't supposed to be trophies that we keep in a cabinet. They're tools for God to use. 
And Lazarus wasn't going to become this celebrity. He said, come on, Lazarus, let's go down to the leper's house. I know you've been raised from the dead. I know that you're really famous. But let's go and welcome somebody who doesn't feel welcome. Can I hear an amen? You see, Jesus' dream was of a family. Judas's dream at that moment was a transition point for him where he chose something other than Jesus' dream. One of the things I noticed, and we didn't bring it up last week, and I'll say it now, that the woman who poured the oil over Jesus' feet had it in the old languages, a spike knot or a box. And actually, have you ever wondered what that was? That was her savings. That was her dowry so that when she got married, she had something to give into the marriage. That was her dreams. That was her house with the white picket fence and the detached house in a, in a leafy suburb. That was her dream of security that she poured out on Jesus' feet. You see, what I'm saying to you today is that the biggest distraction and the biggest block to your dream is unsurrendered dreams that you're holding on to that you've placed in front of God's dreams for you. You will have to lay that down so that your dream, your better dream in God can come through. I remember that at one point, and many of, you know, many of you know the story, that at the end of my Bible college training, I felt very strongly by God to say to him, okay, I've done this out of faithfulness. I'm laying down my dream of ministry. And it was a German lady named Irmgard Cannoli who came to you, me and ministered to me and helped me to take it back up again, having laid it down. Kathy and I, we bought a detached house, double garage, in a leafy uh, suburb, in a lovely place. It was our dream house that we were building so that we could have our grandchildren there. And you know what? That house, we laid it down and said, well, God, if you wanted us to go to the inner city of Birmingham, that's fine. And we've got a lovely house now, that's fine. But we didn't hold on to that dream to stop and block this dream. In fact, if you look on my Twitter feed, it says, Pastor Mark having a wild ride pastoring an inner city church. We love it. I wonder if we'd have said, no, but God, you've given us this house, and he really had. It was a dream that we laid down. If you want to press into walking into your dream, and not just having it in your mind, or, or when will it ever come true, then and I want to teach you a little bit today about how you can actually live it. There are three seasons, and you'll go through three important transition moments. And how you react to these transition moments will be the way that you come into your dream. Number one is preparation. Number two season is promotion, actually. Number three season is provision for his purpose. He'll prepare you, then he'll promote you, then he'll provide for your dream. And if you're living something where it's never provided for, maybe that's not God's dream. I want to say, let's just talk about preparation for a moment. When God speaks, we often think it is for now, right now. But there can be a long time before it happens and we can be impatient about our dreams. I wonder what the delay is. 
God's making us ready so we can receive all that our dream entails. Remember Joseph? He was 17 when he first had the dream of his brothers coming and bowing down to him. What did he do? Straight away, he runs to his brothers and says, you're going to bow down to me. What a doofus. How premature. What a person that would, would be able to uh, do that by just running straight away. You know, ages and ages and ages ago, and I didn't lead our church into the Philippine outreach because of this, but years ago, when I was in my 20s, there was a new story on about children living on a rubbish dump in Manila. And I was unusually, unusually moved by it. I broke my heart for days and weeks. And then years afterwards, we get to minister in the Philippines. Sometimes your dreams are going to take a while before they come out. Because what's happening is, is God is preparing you. He's fashioning you so that he can do the best to get your biggest dream. Now, he's going to use a mix of things. There are three tests during the season of preparation that you're going to have to go through. And you need to really take these on board. Now, my friend Dave Smith at Kingsgate Church, he's written a book, Living the Dream. And I've used some of his material and also expanded on it. On it. But your first test is going to be the relationship test. Dave calls it the forgiveness test. Joseph was put into slavery and he come to the point in the preparation whereby he could forgive his brothers. Remember Rachel last week with the onion, the peeling off layers? If you weren't here last week, make an appointment to see Pastor Rachel and say, peel an onion with me and tell me a story. And you'll be blessed about how God forgives and helps you to want to want to forgive. I believe in times of preparation, the reason why many of us don't walk in our dreams is because we are not, we're holding something against someone and God can't trust us with the big dream he's got because his dreams will always involve people. The second test that God puts us through is I think it's called the reliability test or the fruitfulness test. Excuse me, the faithfulness test. Staying pure when nobody is watching. Even if people don't know that God could trust you to do the right thing, even when it's just down for you. In Joseph's case, when Potiphar's wife, when Potiphar's wife came to him and tempted him, and in fact, she was a bit open with her temptation. She didn't say, fancy me. She didn't do any of that. Or she didn't say, here's my number. She didn't say that. She said, will you come to bed with me? She was a bit open. Joseph, at that moment, if he'd have given in, his whole dream would have gone. At that moment, it was the reliability test, the faithfulness test. Nobody would have known. 
Nobody's looking. In fact, some might argue, Joseph, you would have gone up more in Potiphar's household. She would have promoted you more. And there's going to be opportunities and temptations in your life where if you do them, it looks like, you know what, I'm compromising a bit with my faith, but because we're being relevant and because we don't want to be cheesy Christians, I'm going to go for this because I can get more and use, be used of God more if I get there. Don't do it. You see, when you come to a reliability test, if you have sin in front of you or compromise in front of you, don't pray about it. Don't try and go round it. As the proverb says, turn around, run. In fact, as I felt it in the first service, again, I feel it now. I believe for some of you, it's really true that you have to run. You have an opportunity. You have something before you. You know it's not right. You need to turn around and run before it grabs your emotional heart. The third test that you're going to go through is not just the forgiveness test or the faithfulness test, but you're going to receive a measure of fruitfulness. I call it the receiving test. You're going to receive some things and you're going to handle a measure of success where you are at. You're going to handle a measure of God's blessing even if that's not the ultimate place for you. It's not where God has for you to finish. He's put you in this place. He's giving you some things and he wants to know whether it twists your heart or goes to your head. Joseph was successful in the prison. He was successful in Potiphar's house. He was successful there and because He learned his skills there but kept his heart there. God promoted him to be the king or the leader over all the nation. He learned his leadership skill. I've taught in every department of children's ministry. I've taught at the last minute. I've walked into church and the the leader of the uh, children's ministry has said to me, Mark, we've had somebody with flu today. Can you do this? I felt that that was my... Uh, faithfulness to just go and, and give it my best to prove, prove faithful. You know, there was a time when I was preaching in Glasgow. Kathy and I were planting a church there. And after a few moments, we, we were, uh, in a few months and years we were there, it became that I was known amongst our network of churches there. And so we began to uh, preach out a little bit. Now, as, as, as I was preaching out, there was one particular incident where I used my last bit of money to get to the church so that I could preach, thinking there'll be an offering for me so I could get the bus home. Now, in those days, how they paid you was like this. It was a brown envelope. It was before the white envelope even. And it was usually an old treasurer who gave you the envelope so secretly that it was almost like doing a drug deal at the back of the church. He like came up to you, bless you for your ministry, brother. And kind of, what are you doing in my pocket? 
He's like, bless you for your ministry, brother. So I went to this church, preached my heart out, prayed for everybody. I didn't, I wasn't hanging around for the envelope. But the envelope didn't come. And at the end, the pastor shook my hand and said, thank you very much. That was a lovely blessing. And I went, thank you very much. And walked out the door. It did begin to rain a little bit. In fact, the actual term in Glasgow is, is it stopped raining for a while. It's raining all the time there. And I began to walk home. And I almost started complaining to the Lord. I could feel it at the back of my mind. But I stopped. And I felt like the Lord said to me, isn't preaching enough for you, son? Isn't this enough? You see, God is going to test you of how faithful you can be even when things that you should have had didn't work out for you. Because he's trying to fashion you. He's trying to prepare you so you can walk in to a large dream for him. I wonder today if you can do the faithfulness test to God and the fruitfulness test when he gives you a little bit of success. Now, stay with me. God wants to prepare you. Secondly, he wants to promote you. Now, most Christians don't like that word. It smacks of worldliness. It smacks of Alan Sugar on The Apprentice. And I don't mean it in that way. I mean it to be God opening a door to give you more favor and influence so that God can use you more. But God will promote you. Joseph moved from being in exile as an exile slave to the leader of a nation. Now, it didn't take weeks. It was more or less overnight. And here's the teaching. God's promotion often happens quickly. He gear changes and season changes. And so you've got to be ready for it for when God moves it. Things can change suddenly for you. It only takes one phone call for you. Now, go with me back to Acts chapter 7. I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 7, in verse 10, it says this, And God rescued him from all of his troubles, and God gave him favor before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and, and God also gave him unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over the kingdom of Egypt. And I want to look at those two things, wisdom and favor. Let me do wisdom first. As we develop wisdom, as we ask for wisdom, as we act in wisdom, God will promote us. Now we need three types of wisdom. The first one is prophetic wisdom. You need to hear from God. God wants to speak into your life. And he wants to say something to you. 
And it's, and it's not going to be that you learn everything in, in sermons like this or seminars and classes. God wants to speak to you quietly into your heart. You need some insight. You need some excitement. You need a God who's alive who speaks to us who are alive. I've met Christians. They are so correct, but they are so boring. Of course, that's none of you. You know, they know everything the book says. But the spirit, they're not there. You need some prophetic wisdom. Secondly, you need some planned wisdom. You need to get a piece of paper and a pencil. We still have pencils these days. You get a pencil out and you draw your diagrams, you make your plans and you say, God, that is a great prophetic word. Let me try and plan out how this could happen. And that's where you get counsel and that's where you get insight from there. But also, thirdly, you need Biblical wisdom or precepts wisdom, wisdom from the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to live and begin to imbibe that, breathe that, keep living that. One of the things that I found, and I know over the last few weeks, I don't know whether I've upset people or not about talking about giving, but one of the blessings that um, our approach to giving and the biblical approach to giving has been that it's translated out to my children. And that, you know, a few years ago, there was the banking crisis. Do you remember that? And uh, it didn't affect all of us and some of us. It was more of a news thing for some of us. But my daughter works in a bank. And uh, she was on honeymoon at the time, by the way, uh, when the banking crisis happened. So I blame her. I say, well, if you'd have been in the country, Lydia, maybe you could have stopped it. But, you know, that's probably a bit harsh from dad to daughter. Uh, Parenting 101 by Pastor Mark Ryan. But you know what they said? When she came back off honeymoon and everything had, had, had exploded, they actually took Lydia aside and said, Lydia, because of your character and your kindness and because some businesses now are they're going out of businesses and large corporations are pressurizing some people, we want you to move departments, move over to the credit team because we know that you'll give them good advice. And also they said this phrase, and you'll be kind. Can you believe that? That's because we've been living in biblical wisdom. And I want to encourage every one of you Don't just seek zapping wisdom from the Spirit. That's great. You must seek that. Don't just get your pen and paper out. But look into the Word of God and look as the wisdom from the Word of God comes. And God, as you live it out, will begin to promote you. The second thing that Joseph had was favor. He was granted favor. There's a lot of words around this in the Christian world. And they, but what I mean by it, and what I think the Bible is, is that it's actually the aroma, the flavor of the presence of God around you that opens doors, not just for success, but it opens doors so that you can act more graciously, grow as a Christian, and have more influence for God. I've heard a lot of people teach, oh, you need favor so you can be promoted. And what they mean is something worldly. Actually, the Bible says, I want to give you favor 
so that you don't kick doors open, but that doors open before you so that you can be used for God. If your door isn't opening today, don't panic, don't get frustrated. God's got a bigger door to open for you. If you're stuck, then you need to look for the favor of God. You may have to lay down what you think you should have been in so that the divine delay teaches you how to be faithful. But follow the favor. Follow where God's leading, where God's opening a door, not where you're just pushing and striving for it. Favor is important. Grace upon your life. And I'm going to come back to that thought, but just ever so quickly, because time has gone, and I want us to pray. In fact, Natalie, would you please come? The third season that God is going to place you in is in the season of provision for his purpose. Do you know that Joseph was faithful for 80 years? No scandal, no nothing. When, and why could he stay faithful? Is because he knew why he was being provided for. Let me, let me just show you something. In Genesis verse four, uh, chapter 45 and then in chapter 50, Joseph says it over and over. He said, you intended for me to be killed, but God intended it for good. And then there's this little phrase, for the saving of many lives. He knew why he was being provided for, so that he could bless and help other people. He knew what God was doing, so that he could say, God, I, I'm being provided for because of this purpose and this season that you've placed me in. You see, you are blessed to be a blessing. There was a, re a reason behind his receiving. His provision had a purpose, the saving of many lives. I know that if you put God's righteous dreams before your own, God will honor your life. Some people have taught for many years, you need to ask God's favor. And what they mean is, God wants you to take you to a place where you're comfortable and God kind of just does everything you want. Favor will take you to a place where you know, God, you're pouring this provision into my life. You've put these people around me. You've put these resources into my life so that I can bless that group of people. You'll get blessed. You'll be rich in your spirit. But if, you've, if you're asking for provision just for the sake of provision, that's not what Joseph did. He said, you've provided for me, you've promoted me for the saving of many lives. Why are you asking for your dream? What good would your dream do? Why would God raise you up? Why would God give you your dream? if it wouldn't bless anyone else, 
if it wasn't for the saving of anyone else. See, I think God wants to raise this church up. I think he wants this church to be a storehouse of blessing so that others can be blessed by us. Would you please stand with me? If you put God's righteous dreams before yours, God is going to move in your life. And so I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment, but I'm going to ask us all to do an act of worship together. Because I want to ask you, do you have any unsurrendered dreams before God? You know what? I decided that even though it's winter, I was going to be so positive today. You know, one of the reasons is I spent two days this week, and you can judge me on my use of time. I spent two days this week praying for every single chair in this auditorium. And I want to tell you that there are times I'd be somewhere along a row and God would stop me and say, pray for this person more. I don't know whose names, but I know that in a funny way, I've not prayed for you by your name, but I've prayed for every single person who sat on every seat. I've prayed, God, I know they are comfortable, these seats, but shake these people up so they can serve you. I've prayed all sorts of prayers. But I want to ask you something. Have you got an unsurrendered dream You see, I had a good dream. My dream to preach, it was just unsurrendered. And when I surrendered it, God gave it back to me. You may have a really good dream that actually God wants you to do, but your heart is just not right for it yet. In a few moments' time, I'm going to ask you, if you've got a dream on your heart or a desire that's really strong, I want you to bring it and say, God, I'm giving it to you. that's just my starting place you will never walk into your dream unless you surrender it to God so whatever your dream is I'm going to ask one of several of you who just feel led to do that that you say I'm I'm just it's a good dream I'm, I'm just putting it at your feet there may be nothing wrong with your dream there may be some of you here who are pursuing dreams and it's your wife's nightmare You're killing your family because of your obsession with a dream that God hasn't given you. You need to come and lay it down. Some people, they dream all of their lives to start their own business and that's not God's assignment for them and they kill their families trying to start over and over and over again instead of just following the path that God wants for them. It's time just to be really honest and say, God, I'm laying everything down. And if you allow me to pick it up, then that's fine. But if it goes, it goes. Because you've got a bigger and better dream for me. Can I hear an amen from the house? Natalie, would you just lead us in one verse? Because I want to lead us, all of us, just in a an act of worship together. I'm going to ask you, to pray for wisdom and favor over your life. Could you please lead us, Natalie, just for a moment?